God's Word. Are you all ready for that? Yes. We've been talking about what it means to be Christian. And I don't want to just talk about what it means to be an individual Christian today. Today I want to talk about what it means to be a Christian church. You know, because it's one thing to be a Christian, and then you, you know, then you have to choose where you're going to go to church. And so I want you to choose a Christian church if you go to church. And I'd, I say that, and it sounds a little funny. There's 300 churches that claim Christ in this city, all different varieties. If you want to go to church in Amarillo, you should be able to find a great church. No matter what you believe, how you, there's, there's so many good ones. But I'm going to talk about what it means to be a Christian church. And you know, it's our 20th year, and it's a good time to reflect, to look back and go, you know, what's the Lord done in this place? What is the fruit of this 20 years? Because when we started, you always have these question marks. You're like, God, you really want another church in this city? You really, I mean, what are we going to bring that no one else has brought? Why would we think we could do something better? And right off the bat, God said, I don't want you to do it better. I just want you to be who you are. You see, that's our, that's our human nature. When we think we live a Christian life or we think that we're going to live any kind of life, we think we've got to be better than the guy next to us. It's, it's because we're raised in this culture to think that we're not good enough unless we're better than the next guy. And it's really pride. And God doesn't want pride in his church. In fact, he opposes it. So we're really not trying to be better. We're just trying to be us. And I tell you, that's tough. It, it probably is one of the toughest things to do is to be who you really are without comparing yourself to someone else, without making yourself feel better or worse because of the person you're standing next to. And that's the same way with churches. You know, I, I'm in a couple of groups with other pastors, and, you know, sometimes it feels a little strange. You know, sometimes it is a little bit of, a, you know, who's doing the best job? Who's got the biggest church? It so makes me kind of sick. I don't want to feel it in my own heart. Sometimes I feel pulled in that. I don't, I don't want to get in that because I know that we're, there's one church in the city of Amarillo and we're all called to do different, different things, but we're all called to one thing. And the one thing is to bring, reach the city for Christ. So it's very important that we, we do what we're called to do. And so every year, you know, it's a challenge with the leadership of elders and me and, you know, writing a budget. Where are we going to spend this money that God brings into this house. It's a great deal of responsibility. I'm going to have to answer to God for the money you give because it's hard-earned money, and you give it in faith. And you stand up and you give it, and you expect it to do something for the kingdom of God. And I feel that weight. How do we spend your money that you give, and it's now God's money? How do we spend that, Lord? How do we spend our time? How do we spend our effort? We just have so much, and you don't want to waste it. And I certainly don't want to spend my time on earth building something for myself only to stand before God and have it all burned away in a second because I've done it for my own vain glory or my selfish ambition. I take this so very seriously. I just want to say this. And so right off the bat, I just want to tell you where I'm coming from. It's important for us to do what's important to him. And so that's always on our heart. And we try to line up our ministries more to be directly in line with what his heart would be for us. We may not look like other churches, but we're not supposed to. We may not act like other churches, but we're not supposed to. 
We don't want to be judged by any other standard other than the standard of what he's called us to do, just like you. You're not going to be judged for what I do. You're going to be judged for what you've done. That's the way God is. You know, one of the main things that we hear whenever we start to look at what Jesus said was important to him, he's leaving the earth and he gave us what's called the Great Commission. Commission. It means co, means same. Mission means what he's on the earth to do. He said, I'm giving you the same mission that I had. It's the great commission. We have a commission. We co-labor with God. That's where we're supposed to be. Jesus went back to heaven, but he sent his spirit so we could be on the same mission field that he was on. And he said, this is the important thing to do. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. It's very important that you hear that word, make disciples of all nations, not make Christians. Make disciples. I looked at Bronwyn up here. She's a senior in high school. She's been singing with Catherine for years. And, you know, it's, it's called discipling. We, we disciple our replacement. Who else could you disciple? You can't disciple my replacement. I disciple my replacement. You disciple your replacement. Your unique calling to the kingdom of God is what you're called to disciple. You can't be something you're not. And you certainly can't make someone into something that you're not. If you're not living for the Lord, don't think that you can cause anybody else to live for the Lord. It's called disciples. We're called to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm glad to say that we've baptized hundreds of people in this church in the 20 years. Hundreds. Many of them for the first time. And the vast majority of those people have been adults. God's blessed us in this area teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. You know, one of these things about going into all nations, one thing that we did early on is we began to have sort of a, a mission outreach, and we've gone to missions down in uh, Mexico. We've taken humanitarian effort down there for years when it was so rough uh, back years ago. Uh, Lindell and some others just took t- literally tons of food down there over and over again. We've been to Romania to help with uh, orphanages over there. We've just some of our people on a couple of different trips just gathered up. They needed help in Romania, and I won't take the time to tell the story as why, but they need help in their orphanages over there. And we just went over there and held babies and loved on them and, and did what we could do in the name of the Lord. You know, even Merlina bringing these Ukrainian children to, to Amarillo, Texas, she's done this year after year. And hundreds of kids have heard about Jesus in a way that they don't hear about him in the Eastern Orthodox Church. These are mission efforts. Not to mention that Amarillo has 30. They say, they say there's 30 different nations in our city. We don't have to go very far to find the nations of the earth. But one of the ones that I'm so excited about is the, the mission effort that we've taken to Thailand. And we have a special guest this morning from Thailand, and Christine's always headed up these mission efforts. So, Christine, come on up here and introduce our guest, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But y'all come up. Give them a big hand. Hi, everybody. This is Pen. Uh, she's from uh, Pattaya, Thailand, and uh, we've, we've been over there... Uh, um, for multiple years, uh, helping with you know the at-risk uh, population there in sex trafficking and sex tourism, and she's been my primary 
contact there and Patia. She's always been there to lead a helping hand and help us to organize the, the groups. Um, and she leads the Patia Slum Ministry, which is an incredible ministry. She just has a heart of gold. And uh, her and her friend Uan are here. And um, all the way from Thailand, they've come to visit us and just give us a few words from their heart. And uh, we're going to show a short video, and then she's going to uh, speak a little bit here. And I just appreciate y'all's time. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to share with you. And thank God for opportunity to be here at my church. Visiting the slums, the children will come us with great excitement on our visit on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It is not just giving food to the children, but many activities are involved. We cut the children's fingernails, wash their hair, give vitamins, sing song, share story of Jesus, and do drawing or craft, and help the children with memory words from the Bible. Then we hang out chicken and milk. 100 children, children desperate for love, smile, a hug. They get that, and even get more when Paraya Salam does kiss club. This is one of the few times the kids are truly safe, happy, and loved. The center is located only five minutes away from the school. The building is a safe place for the children and teens who are looking someone to listen to them and carry hard and snack. They even stop by to ask for dinner before they going home. English classes, guitar lesson, and cooking class are also offered at the center. Paraya Salam Ministry now visit three community each week. On Saturday, we have youth club. They hang out all day at the center. We having fun and have discipleship study time. They about 13 youth. They come every week and want to be a part of the ministry. They are between 8, 10 to 15 years old. They want to grow and be our ministry helpers. We rely how hard it is to want to grow and be, oh, sorry. <laughs> we, re, we, re, we rely how hard it is to make good decisions for life in teenage years of life as they grow. In the Bible, Rome 12, to say, do not be confirmed to this world but transformed by the renewing of the mind of Christ. We want to teach the youth God's wisdom for life and support them. We, are, we offer a study on identity in Christ. There are still about nine more weeks of this study go, go to. Personally, I am thankful for their heart to help and want to give back to the Lord. We also run different day camps during school break. Day camp are a great opportunity to invest in the youth for a new food day at a time. For example, we run a superhero camps. The children know many superhero characters from the movies. 
but we want to introduce them to, to the real superhero, Jesus Christ. We also, we also had other camps like God's Beloved Children Camp, God is, God is a Powerful Camp, and Jesus Explorer Camp, and Skipping Rope Camp. We have done this for weeks at a time, even the last few years. Parayasala Ministry want to help the poor, so they help with education for those in every difficult situation. Parayasala Ministry give right and basic supply to help with medical bills. Parayasala Ministry partner with other local churches and Ministry Pattaya and other area in Thailand, and we host international team in the work they do. Work that is full of laughter, hard work, smile, and transform life with the love of Jesus Christ. That's what the Patayasalam ministry is about. Thank you. Um, we, uh, we've supported them on our trips, you know, through more, and, um, and uh, they do have some things for sale out front, uh, coffee and uh, shirts and jewelry, so if you, anybody feels led to... Stop by there. We'd appreciate it. Thank you, Ken. You did a good job. Thank you very much. We appreciate the work you do. As we know, um, Thailand has the unfortunate um, reputation of being the sex trade capital of the world. And a lot of these children are being rescued and they're being retrained and they're hearing about the Lord and hearing that they're made for a purpose and the purpose is not to serve the needs of um, people that would use them in an unseemly manner. Uh, it's a very worthy mission effort and we've supported it for years. I, I'm telling you this um, and you know, appreciate Penn being here to share her testimony. Of course, when we knew she was coming and uh, I had this message on my heart ever since I started thinking about her sharing her testimony. Uh, this stuff is important to the Lord. He wants us to go around the world. Uh, when you hear someone's stories and you see that they're really doing the best they can do in the community that they have and they have uh, hardly any resources, they depend upon people to come there, but even more importantly, to send money over there. And that's what we've done. Uh, we'll be taking an offering for them um, in the weeks to come. Uh, it's not specifically going to be today, but if you want to give towards this ministry, you simply can go on your phone right now or online, and you can give to the church and just put in the tagline uh, for uh, Thailand. You probably can't spell patio if you're me. It's like, you know, sit. but just put for the Thailand ministry, and Linda will know where to direct that. But we will have a ministry, I mean, a, uh, an offering for them uh, before long. So, okay. Um, Janita, I'm having a little trouble getting connected, so... If you could just pull my presentation back. Well, let me just do it one more time. Here we go. Okay. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, you know, the second half of that Great Commission is to, is to teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And that was Jesus saying, uh, when you go out into the world and you're making disciples, make sure that what you're teaching them is what I have taught you. And if you're a teacher, or if you've been a teacher, or if you've ever taught Sunday school or school or anything else, you realize that sometimes the, 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 the least effective way to teach is by words. 
What Jesus was really telling us is not only do I want your words to be talking about Bible stories and teaching the kids about who Jesus was, I want you to go in there and I want you to model for them what I lived on the earth. Our lives are supposed to model the life of Christ. You know, we're, we're to set a, an example for the way people come into the church. They should see things that Jesus had in his own life. I want you to go in the world and teach them all the things that I have commanded you. You know, in John 14, 12, Jesus said this, this it's, a, it's a really big statement. He said, most assuredly, which means take it to the bank. I say to you, he that believes in me, that's us Christians. He's saying that this is what it means to be a Christian. He that believes in me, the works that I do, that Christian will do also. And greater works than these he will do. That's mind-blowing because I go to my Father. Well, Jesus went to the Father. He was just one human being and an individual, and he went to the Father. And then he sent his Holy Spirit, and we know that we all now share in the Spirit of God. And now we can do the same works that Jesus did. It's important that we know what would he want as Christians for us to do, and what would he want the Christian church to do. Well, the same thing he did. 75% of his miracles were healing miracles. 75% dealt with healing people or bringing deliverance to their life. So a big part of what we do as Christians, as real Christians, should be in bringing the healing of the Lord into people's lives. It's great to know good, you know, know Bible verses. It's great to know the stories of Jesus. It's great to know, you know, uh, about the blood atonement and a lot of different things, but he didn't say that. He said, don't go into the world and do that. I want you to go into the world and teach them what I commanded you or teach them what I've shown you, teach them what I've lived in front of you. And greater works than I did, you will do because there's going to be a lot more of you than there are of me. We're carrying this word into the world. You know, I can tell you this, the rooms in this church are a huge part of our ministry. And the rooms at this church are not just because, hey, we want to be different or, hey, we want to be cool. I'll tell you what these rooms are. The rooms are the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Healing rooms are established because, believe it or not, believe it or not, <laughs> even though Jesus, 75% of the miracles he did were healing people, there's a lot of Christians in our city, they're, say, the majority that have never prayed for one person to be healed. What does it mean to be Christian? I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to teach them by modeling, by saying, by, I want you to live the life that I lived. I want you to bring healing to a hurting world. You know, these rooms at Moore, the, I don't know if you know this, but about nearly every person that Jesus gave revelation to them about who he was as the Savior, he did it through pro prophecy. He either did it through prophetic questioning or he did it through prophetic revelation. Every person. And Paul said that prophecy is the most important gift. He said of all gifts that God can give us, all gifts that a Christian can walk in, prophecy builds up the church. No other gift really builds the church like prophecy. Yet there are churches all over our city and there's people all over our city that claim the name of Christ that have never prophesied to one person and say that it's Goofy, scary. Really? Jesus operated in it. To be real Christians, shouldn't we prophesy? 
Shouldn't prophetic evangelism be a part of who we are? And these rooms are established at this church because it gives an opportunity for all of us to get in there and operate in faith. You say, well, what if I pray for somebody and they're not healed? You will. What if I prophesy and it's wrong? Sometimes it will be. He didn't say that. He didn't say go out and heal everybody you touch. He didn't go out and say, let your prophetic words be 100% accurate. He said, go out and do these things and model them for the world. Let them know that they have a God in heaven that's doing whatever he can do to reach their life to make it better. And he says this statement. Luke 18, 1, and this is just one. I just randomly pulled one out. He said, he's taught them a parable that men ought to always pray and not lose heart. I mean, tons of verses, tons of parables about praying day and night, praying all the time, go and just go continually to God to pray. Yet there's, and I'm not trying to be, I'm just making observations about what's happened to us is a New Testament church, but there's, there's, a, there's a ton of churches that are Christian that have no prayer meetings. None. And we have prayer meetings. We've had them for 15 years. Very few people come, but we had them. We have them because Jesus told us to pray. And I don't think he just meant individually. I think he meant corporately because so many things that Jesus did in his ministry were speaking to the corporate body. He wasn't just speaking just to individuals. And we set aside time to pray as a church because a Christian church should pray. A Christian church should pray for the sick. A Christian church should try to prophesy and bring revelation to people's worlds to give them hope for the future. That's what we're called to do. That's what it means to be Christian. You know, Richard Rohr has this observation. He says that, Because we Christians haven't taken Jesus' teachings and examples seriously, much of the world refuses to take us seriously. Christians love to talk about new life, but the record shows that Christians are afraid to live in a new way. It's so funny. We think that sometimes holding on to old traditions or old ways we've learned things is really the way that we hang on to our faith. Jesus may be challenging you to step out of your box, to trust him. To do something that only he would do. We're to go into all the world. This world. Our world. And make a difference. You know the church primarily is... Has, has gone out into the world, and, and I think I've been a church, I've been a Christian for 40-something years. I've always been in church. I've probably been in church most of my life, actually, probably over 50 years of my life. And, and I would say that the majority of the time I was in church, I, I kind of understood that the mission of the church was to go into all the world and get people to agree with them. It's like we teach to get people to agree. We preach to get people to agree. We live in such a way, and then we expect people to agree. It's all about agreement. You agree with me, this lifestyle, these words, this thing, uh, and, and Jesus never did that. He said, go into all the world and teach them what I commanded you. What did he command us? Well, he taught us about the, the day of accountability, the judgment day. This is the day of accountability that we, we all, every one of us, will stand before God. And will he ask us some theological questions? Will he ask us, you know, some trick question that we have to answer in a correct theological way? No, he said, I'm not going to ask you any questions because your life's already told me the answer. 
He said, when I'm standing up there and I'm separating the sheep from the goats or the wheat from the tares or the good fish from the bad fish, I, I can already have the answer as to what's good, what's bad, what's a wheat, what's a tare, what's a sheep, what's a goat. He's already got all those answers answered because he's been able to look at our life and he says, you know, there were people that were hungry and you gave them food and that means you gave me food. That's what the Lord says. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. He says these things were just a part of your life because you were out modeling with the heart that I've put inside you. You were following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and your life was showing that you, you cared about the world around you. Christianity doesn't mean that we know a few facts from the Bible. Christianity doesn't mean that we, we know the rules and we try to keep them. Christianity means that the spirit of the living God lives inside you and you're going into the world and you're making it a better place. That's what it means. That's what it means to be Christian. I just want you to reread these words a little bit. You know, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. And I just want to say, you know, this church has really tried very hard to fulfill this commission, to fill this, this mission that the Lord left us with. And, you know, Chad Connor, he was a real gift from God, and, and God moved in his heart, and he helped us to fulfill this, this thing that we're supposed to be doing. I mean, he's been doing this about five and a half years over at the Acts Community Resource Center. And this little church, through cooperation with Chad and a bunch of money that he's been able to raise from other loving people in this city, 4,600 individual families have been helped in that time frame. People that were in need. 600,000 pounds of food given away in five and a half years in that area, in that community of San Jacinto. 62,000 hot meals served to seniors and children. 62,000. 21,000 hygiene items distributed. Over 440 single moms helped with diapers and clothing. You know, they were hungry and he fed them, thirsty, gave them a drink. And over 530 people were helped to find jobs in five and a half years. You see, what it means to be Christian is it means that you're out in the community and you're trying to make a difference for those around you. But that's not all it means. You know, there's a lot of hungry, needy people in the world, and Jesus said the poor will always be with us, and we do what we can do to help those in need. But I can tell you this, the hungry and the thirsty are not always those that are literally hungry and literally thirsty. I'm telling you that there's so many people that come through these doors, and they're hungry for friendship, they're hungry for acceptance, they're hungry for a relationship, they're hungry for friends to come into their life that are a positive influence and not a negative influence. So many people come here to look for a different kind of community and many times we don't let him in, let them into our community why because they're not like us well he said how about the stranger that you took in he's not just talking about putting people in your back bedroom he's talking about the people that walk through these doors that are strangers they're strange to you they don't live like you have you reached out and brought them into your life or do you have enough friends already 
Do you only have relationships that benefit you? Or do you have relationships that benefit others? The stranger, they took them in. This is Christianity. Not looking for ways to keep the stranger out. People that are naked. You know, there's a lot of people come in here and their lives, you know, it's... They may not have a life that looks like what you think it should look like. Should you leave them naked and exposed? Should you expose them? Is it, is it God's plan to expose them in their sin? Or is it God's plan to clothe them in his righteousness? I just want you to know. Is it more Christian to rip people apart because they aren't living right? Or is it more Christian to clothe them in the hope and the grace and the righteousness of Jesus? I want to be a Christian church. You know, I want to be a Christian church. I was in prison and you came to me. And we do that. I mean, my lands. Pastor Lindell has built this prep program. Prisoner Reentry Project. Over 10 years we've been doing this. 82 people have been through this. 12 more people are in it right now. That doesn't sound like a lot of people, but I can guarantee you this. If Jesus would come and die for one person, he is very pleased that there's been 82 lives that we've tried to set back into the right place. People that, you, you, I don't know if you know this. I mean, you go to prison and you serve your time and then you've, you've burned every bridge in the world before you go to prison and you get out of prison and they give you, what, 50 bucks or something like that and you go out and you're like, I got $50 and nobody will take me in. What, what am I going to do? Well, I'll tell you what they do. They go back to the only friends who accept them and they live the life the only way they can make money and they do exactly what they've done because nobody's there to help them. Jesus cares about prisoners. He wouldn't have said this. It, I, the prisoner, you went to that prisoner. You went to them. You didn't wait for them to come to you. You went to them. And I tell you, this, this whole thing, and I could talk about it for a whole message, between Sheriff Richardson and Bob Crump and Pastor Lindell, they have built this program. And, you know, two-thirds of the people that have come through this program have not gone back and committed another crime. They haven't gone back to prison. Two-thirds. People say, well, that means a third have. Well, do you realize the, the, the regular recidivism rate is two-thirds go back to prison? So that means about 30 people that would have gone back haven't. Praise God. I'm telling you, that's God's heart. To get them here and to get them in church, let them hear about the Lord, to go through classes on money management, to help them get a driver's license many have never had in their whole life, to help them go and buy them things for work, help them get a job. Teach them to be responsible. Lindell grew up at Boys Ranch. His dad ran Boys Ranch. Lindell's crafted by God and built by God. This is his divine purpose to be in a church where he can bring these guys in and he understands what it means to raise <laughs> wild boys and bring them up in the Lord. That's what he does. He's a daddy. He's discipling. He's modeling. He's loving. I can't tell you how many phone calls he gets a night. I can't tell you how many times he's been called out at 2 o'clock in the morning to go pick up one of his children. What does it mean to be Christian? It means you go to people in prison 
You know, not just the ones that are incarcerated. You know, there's a lot of people that are trapped in cycles of sin. Maybe it's generational inequity. Who knows what it is? They're, they're in sin. And, and there's been people that have been to prison five times, and now they're teaching classes in our church. When, when do we give up? I always hear people tell that. Well, if they don't change, come as you are. And if you don't change, we're going to push you away. Well, when, okay, all-knowing one, when, when do we do that? After the first or second incarceration, third incarceration, fourth incarceration, fifth incarceration? When, when do we stop going to prison and reaching out and helping these people? When does Jesus say, enough's enough? I'm through with this person. I, you know what, you, you mean to answer it for you? Never. We're the ones that do that. We're the ones that get sick of it. We're the ones that don't want to do it. But if we're Christian, it's in our heart. It's in our spiritual DNA. We can't leave it alone. We can't stand to see people suffering. We can't stand to see people without relationship, without acceptance, without being loved. It hurts. That's what God's made us to do. Most famous Bible verse in, you know, anywhere is John 3.16. Can you say it? John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have, what? Eternal life. God loved the world, and he still does. And he sent his son to save it. Now, how many of you can quote John 3.17? I wish that it was as popular as 3.16. Because John 3.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world, the world, not the good people, not the Americans, not the white people, the world. Amen. Christian church should look like the world. That they might be saved. I just want to give you a bit of theology. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son into the world because he loved the world and he wanted to save them. Now, when did our commission become different from God's commission? When did God stop sending his body into the world because he loves them so much, not to condemn them, but to put their arms around them and save them? When did that stop? It never stopped. It's never stopped. We're called to do the same thing he was called to do. He wasn't sent to condemn the world, and neither are we. So all I'm saying is to be real Christian means you follow a real Savior, and he really lives in your heart. He really will lead you down the path of righteousness if you let him. He really will open your heart to other people that are very different. He will cause you to put your arms around people that you never thought you would because you bring the stranger in and you're willing to do that. Your heart's not closed off. Your mind is not narrow. Your mind is wide open because you know if, it, if they're in the world, they're in God's heart and in his plan. He loves them so much and we should too because we're, we're a Christian church. What else would we be? People come in here, they, they should find the same Jesus that walked on the earth. 
And that's what I pray that they do. So let's stand together. If you're ministering, please come up ready to minister. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. And I thank you, God, for these that have taken time out of their morning just to come to worship you, to hear from you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to them right now. Open our heart wide, God. Let our heart be as wide as you want it to be. May our heart and our thoughts be exactly your, thought, your heart and your thoughts. God, we dare to submit ourselves to your plan and say, have your way. Whether you send us around the earth to another neighborhood or just to, to pray for someone that's sick, let us have faith and courage and boldness to live for you. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you so much that you love us, that you're in us, and that you want to work through us. I pray for those this morning, God, that need a touch from you, and I ask, God, that you would draw them to this altar, let them come in faith, and let them receive a prayer of faith. Let every sick person leave healed. Let every lost person leave saved. Let every sick person just be touched by you, God, regardless. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming this morning. Please come for prayer if you need it. If not, have a blessed week. We love you.